0: let me take this opportunity to welcome back your regular listeners and if this is your first time listening to the show i hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show and on today's show i've got dr kevin chapman kevin was an accomplished two-sport athlete at central college where he was an all-conference performer in both football and track and field he was an associate professor at the University of Louisville and director of the Center for Mental Health Disparities until he decided to devote his time primarily to his clinical practice. And also not forgetting, he's also the sports psychologist for Louisville City FC. So welcome onto the show, Kevin.
1: Thank you James, I appreciate being
0: here. So before we delve into today's topic of the show, Kevin, can you divulge us to why you wanted to become a first a sports psychologist in the first place
1: yeah well of course so um, so like you said James I'm a licensed psychologist and you know I have two specialties so to speak one is in the area of anxiety and related disorders so that's my clinical work then of course I have I do performance enhancement with athletes as well as you know that involve mental skills and such and I've been an athlete my whole life and as a kid growing up I'd always played sports of course, most any sport you can think of when you're picking out sports that you're good at. And then, of course, when I got to high school, um, football and track were really the ones I was the most passionate about. So through that process, as I was picking schools to go to, I picked a really small Division three school where I could get a really good education, but also continue to excel at a very high level in athletics and sports. Um, so I decided to do that. So, of course, when I started taking coursework, I fell in love with psychology the very first semester that I started taking it because it started explaining things like human behavior and emotional experiences and how that plays out, not only in general and abnormal cases, but also with athletes. And there's a lot of psychology that goes on into the sport, of course, and I knew that firsthand in football, especially in track, uh, psyching guys out, as we used to say, and things like that. That's all mental, right? So naturally, I wanted to go into a field where I could combine my passion for helping people, but also combining a you know an interest in sports as well.
0: So, you bring an interest. You bring up an interesting point there, Kevin. You're the first person I've had on the show that has not has had an athletic background that has put their academics, I would say, to the forefront. What? <laughs> why, why do you think that is? Because I would I was the complete opposite. I did put some of my decision making onto in terms of what school I went to on my yeah. Athletics.
1: Right. That's a really good point, James. And honestly, I think it had to do with my experiences with athletics and academics. You know, fortunately, I had a lot of coaches and teachers and professors around me who, you know, of course, they told me about the percentages and so on and so forth of how many people likely go on to be professional athletes. And as you know, James, from your experience as an athlete as well, that's a very small percentage, right? So ultimately, I knew long term was more important for me. So As a result of that, I knew that if I could go to a very good school, a prestigious school in this case, and still perform at a high level with athletics, that would set me up to not only be credible, but also to use my skills as an athlete and a psychologist to help other people long-term looking at the big picture. So really, it was just really I had wise counsel and had the right people around me telling me to do that and that I could be very effective. And here we are, right? So very exciting.
0: (laughs) And then also, Kevin... What surprises me, you come from the state of Kentucky, Yeah. but you didn't do basketball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Um, well, that's an interesting point. Um, of course, as most people in Kentucky, I've played a lot of basketball. But as you know, James, from your own experience, when you're younger, you try out a lot of sports, and I can still play. In fact, I can still dunk <laughs> to this day, actually. I still can, but ultimately, I was just better at football. I really was, and I was always fast. So naturally, I gravitated toward a sport that I played mostly in an organ- organization and such. And that really led me to play more basketball, was your football. But you're right about that. In fact, I love basketball and I love watching basketball. How can you not living in Kentucky, right?
0: <laughs> and then let me ask you this difficult question: uh, Before you went into, say, your tertiary education. Mm-hmm. what which university did you support growing up was it the University of Kentucky or was it Louisville
1: well uh, definitely the University of Louisville there's a lot of reasons why but I was born and raised first and foremost in Louisville Kentucky and being a product of my environment everybody around me my family included were all L fans And so naturally which you know the implications of that with a lot of things in life they taught me right to be A U of L fan, and here we are with it still being a U of L fan. So um, I certainly help a lot of people who go to a lot of universities in Kentucky, including UK. But ultimately, I definitely grew up a U of L fan.
0: Well, a lot of what people won't know from my background is actually my family's, my father's side of the family is from Kentucky as well. Get out! So it's, (laughs) I don't sound like it, but that's that's (laughs) where my family is from. And my cousins, one went to I think wow, I wise, some of the family have gone to Kentucky and some have gone to Louisville, mm-hmm. so it's very split. Okay, I probably from I think family wise, we're more University of Kentucky because mm-hmm. my family's from uh, Paris, Kentucky, so it's not great. It's a bit smaller, but it's closer yeah. to Lexington than it is, obviously, Louisville. So that's yeah, great. there's
1: a lot of you, UK fans in Paris, Kentucky. I've been in Paris, of course, and being a Kentuckian. Yeah, I definitely know that area.
0: So that's that's my connection to the state. So <laughs> I, will, I will support Louisville, obviously, when they're not in-state rivals. But, <laughs> yeah, they getting on and, and obviously, well, they're kind of – I understand. program in Kentucky is, you could say, maybe on the rise. But yep. I don't think yep. – I think – well, it's a, it's a difficult one. And obviously, you know, from a sports perspective, being an athlete, a rival game, a rivalry game, kind of throws a different entity to it does. sport thing. So they say, well, ranking is important, but it kind of goes out the window when those those games come about.
1: Absolutely true. I agree with you one hundred percent.
0: But from a sports psychologist perspective, now, why does that kind of happen? That kind of mentality, you can kind of throw out the records completely.
1: Well. I think that as you know James as athletes records don't matter as much as because you tend to get more out of athletes when there's a rivalry game something that you're passionate about you know ultimately you start training harder even if it's subconscious you're going to be training harder for that particular team right you're going to be thinking more which you know and I know you know as well I'm not that big on outcome I'm all about process but ultimately guys are thinking about outcome in those situations they want to win that game they know there's a lot riding on it they know there's a lot of perception that takes place in rivalry games and you want to be on the winning side of that because there's a history involved so you tend to get a lot more juice from people when there's a rivalry game you play harder you train harder your tactics are stronger <laughs> right you're much more meticulous about how you approach the game in these rivalry games and that's a mental skill obviously right it's that You're not thinking about the previous matchup and losing about 20 points, so to speak, to the last team you played, because essentially all that's erased when you're in a rivalry game because there's so much emotion tied to it.
0: And do you think, from a media perspective, there's more hype around the basketball game than the football, or is that irrelevant? Uh, I
1: think so. If you mean here, absolutely. In Kentucky, certainly way more hype around the basketball game than football, and that's because of historical reasons because both of the programs historically, the University of Louisville and the University of Kentucky have been very good, and ultimately that's where the Commonwealth of Kentucky comes together is that we have a very good basketball state and would argue it's the best state in the country. in basketball, so with that said, you have very rich histories with basketball programs in the state of Kentucky, so as a result, there's going to be a whole lot more, and it's funny, James, there's a lot of identity with fans in the state of Kentucky, that's around basketball. You live and die with these teams, and a lot of people who live in Kentucky literally, as part of their identity, is like I'm a U of L fan, and oh by the way, I'm a student, I'm a brother, I'm a you know husband, those sorts of things. So it's literally a part of the person's identity, which is also a trap, but nonetheless, is that important?
0: <laughs> and kind of going on to obviously what you've gone on to study uh, and looking at OCD. Do you think, in your opinion, athletes are maybe more kind of go to that nature because they are striving for? And don't quote me that on this. Obviously, yeah. that's it kind of identity of trying to get to perfectionism and trying to be as near perfect as they can be.
1: Absolutely correct, and uh, I think you're right. And I think what you're really getting at, James, is this idea that. Many high-performing athletes in particular often are very high in neuroticism, which is really a personality trait, and neuroticism is really how one experiences strong emotions. And people who are high in neuroticism tend to experience emotions at a much higher rate, seeing they're much more intense, right? Things like anger, things like sadness, things like anxiety, which are obviously normal, healthy emotions that are a part of anything in life, but also a part of sports. Right, so ultimately, perfectionism is one of those things inside that that construct, and you do see a lot of athletes who have a lot more anxiety because today in society we have a lot more pressure, not only just self-imposed pressure, but also pressure from outside sources. You have families who, you know, live and die by their kid going to certain schools and making money. Right, you have coaches and you have recruiting that occurs that is really important, and you even have these big events. Of course, these days, as you know, James, where people have hats laid out on the table mm-hmm. and they're selecting what university to go to. And that's a big to do. It used to not be that way 20 years ago. So with that being said, you know, that's a really important thing. And with that comes strong emotion, right? Anxiety and such is much higher in the population these days because of those pressures. And that's an athletes are no exception to that.
0: And do you think social media and, and you brought it up obviously with the um, kids picking their schools on, mm-hmm whatever platform that may be now, TV, media. Do you think that plays a bigger part in probably um, from two facets now, uh, a detriment to the athlete, but then also on a plus side, they are able to connect with, well, you could say people from a professional standpoint, be it psychologists outside of their schools as well, if, if they are struggling with a, a certain or may, may, that, may what that be
1: yeah I certainly agree with that 100% you hit the nail on the head I think that the, it's a double-edged sword so to speak on one hand you have athletes who have more access to resources and people to influence their decision making in a very positive way but as you alluded to earlier James you also have the negative side of that and that is you're going to be subjected to much more scrutiny when you're in the limelight, you're going to have to look at, the, the many people don't, but many athletes, of course, are young, but so you're going to see negative comments, which are largely anonymous, right? These are people you will never encounter in person that can say horrible things about you, and the whole world will see it. And then you have all these expectations as well from people in your performance. So absolutely, a double-edged sword, social media contributes not only to more anxiety in many cases of athletes, but also can give you greater access, which speaks to how do you manage that? And that requires you to have the right people around you, but also to be very flexible in your regulation of social media, so to speak.
0: And if we go a step further than that, Kevin, do you think that is why, and we spoke talk from a basketball perspective now, people want to kind of use um, the University of Kentucky as a stepping stone, obviously, to get to the NBA?
1: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and I think that that's pretty clear. You'd be hard pressed to argue
1: against that. You know, Coach Calipari is a great coach. Um, He is, and he surrounds himself with good people. And ultimately, when you have programs like that, if you're a kid and you know that you can make a lot of money, then of course, being able to go to a university where a) you're going to start and get a lot of playing time right away, b) play with other people who are also five stars like you, (laughs) and c) possibly win a championship, but ultimately. It doesn't matter that much because ultimately you're going to be making a lot of money in a very short amount of time. And that's very attractive for many athletes. Right. That's very attractive, especially if you could predict not getting injured, which no one can. But nonetheless, chances are you're going to make a lot of money in that way. So they're being groomed in some sense to make those decisions. And and that's one of the ways that they're able to recruit so heavily that way
0: obviously from a five star perspective kevin it it's obviously they're going to go to the better schools but do you think it's a negative way of college athletics being run because some athletes who are maybe lower down the pecking order say i don't know freestyle recruits think they're all because they're getting told by well relatives close from them they're better than they are they perceive themselves to be in those same positions do you think that would be a negative um reflection of why that that kind of one and done has come about i think so i think that that's part of it um and you obviously see
1: james that there's a lot of people that take issue with that rule for a lot of reasons right not only from a financial perspective but also from a what are we really teaching kids in college perspective you think about how college sports historically have been a lot of people are college fans because it's you know, ultimately, it's much more of an innocent stage and people are still growing and learning from coaches and really developing their process, not only their physical abilities to prepare for the next level, but also learning how to be young men and women as they're continuing on in their sport and in life. And oftentimes you see that 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 may get tainted in a bad rip as a result because, you know, really at the end of the day, it's almost like some people would prefer the outcome of going to the NBA and seeing college more as a stepping stone as opposed to what college historically has been in most sports, and that is a teaching ground and an opportunity to get better in life.
0: Well, that's, a, that's an argument I definitely agree with because that is your formative years. You, you kind of, well, from personal experience, you are trying to find yourself, and like you say, you're teach, uh, learning from others, uh, obviously, from Great. sports perspective, all you can get from that sport. But then, by having this one and done, you could argue that they are okay. They are better players, but they aren't really mature adults. And obviously, when you bring money into the fold, they don't know how to deal with it.
1: So true. That's very true. That's very true. And I've, I've actually, James, uh, you know, had friends of mine I play ball with in, in high school, who and some of which actually play professional ball as well, who. Actually, their positions today are to be financial advisors and such for uh, kids who are going into the NFL and such, so that they can help them not make mistakes in the pitfalls. of Many athletes who don't have emotional regulation and wise counsel, those pitfalls, they often fall for by buying multiple vehicles and buying expensive things when, you know, that sort of thing. So you're absolutely right about that.
0: Well, yeah, I think you bring up a good point. You don't really need multiple vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> you can only drive one at one time that's a want that's not a need that's another conversation right (laughs) but but I think that's I think of every young person they always want to have more thinking well you're not physically able and I'm not saying this is impossible in the future but at the present moment you can only uh, indulge in one thing at one time absolutely I agree with you 100% but kind of going into your, obviously you went to the university of Louisville. I did. Um, how did that progress? Obviously from going from the college uh, to kind of progressing to wanting to excel in the, the art of psychology. What kind of motivates you to want to continue on that route?
1: Well, I think mainly, James, because psychology is one of those disciplines where, as you know, it's one of the most popular majors in the world, not just the U.S., but in the world. More people major in psychology than just about any other major, give or take communications and other majors. But you can do very little with it unless you go beyond just an undergraduate degree in psychology. So ultimately, I was, quote unquote, getting my feet wet when I was going through schooling, right? Because I received my bachelor's, of course, in psychology at Center College. And then from there, I knew in order to do anything practical with it, that I knew I needed to go beyond that. And of course, a doctorate in psychology was one of those things where the higher you go, the more you can do. Mm -hmm. So I received, I earned a master's in clinical psychology after my time at Center. And then from there, I decided, as you said, to receive my, to earn my PhD in clinical psych at the University of Louisville, which from there I was able to be more flexible and to have more influence and to train people, you know, to do the sort of things you and I are talking about, but also to publish in the area and to help people at a much broader level. And, and that's essentially what motivated me to do that, is Because I didn't want to be restricted or pigeonholed into just doing certain things. I wanted to do as much as I could to help people.
0: And then I think kind of when you were the associate dean, it's, it's probably you've kind of got – to be a fan but then also you're able to help the athletes at the well at the center of everything yeah. so you're mm-hmm. about to well realize a dream probably yeah that's very true and that was a good balance
1: because ultimately i you know i did the research and the uh training to, to treat clinical problems on one hand in the center but also you know i was one of the performance psychologists at the university of Louisville in the athletic department so i got to you know see firsthand the impact of mental skills and the impact that those skills had on the athletes that you avail, um, you know, both all, a ton of sports teams. In fact, and people ask me what teams did you work with, it's really interesting. I always say, well, which, the better question is which teams did I not work with, <laughs> because I work with most of the teams, of course, and most of the many of the individual athletes. And uh, that was, like you said, James. Of course, that increases your fandom too, because then you start to see the impact that you teaching young people how to have mental skills, how that plays out on the field win or lose and and that's really what it was really about is helping you become the best of your potential and focus more on your process as opposed to your outcome
0: but then during your time which were the better teams actually being able to implement those skills that you were given them
1: which of the teams were
0: okay i'd say uh women's softball was a big one
1: um i'd say field hockey was a big one i definitely worked with basketball as well mean and women basketball Uh, I spent a lot of time with, uh, well, I worked a lot with swimming, men and women swimming and dive, did a lot of work with them, Uh, women and men's soccer. I used to do the men's soccer camp to uh, more than anything, but in terms, they have a very psychologically minded coach there, though, actually, and I had to go on record and saying Ken Lola, the head men's soccer coach at the University of Lola, is one of the most psychologically minded coaches I've ever encountered in my entire life. Um, He's phenomenal. So. You know, he I really just reinforced his philosophy more than anything. But I'd say women's soccer and uh field hockey in particular, like they they were really instrumental, James, because they were one of those programs that would infuse your work into the culture of the team. And that's powerful. I know you know this, but that's that's powerful because not a lot of coaches are that way.
0: Well then I think like you say, if you bring in a culture the coach can kind of sit back and the players will dictate, well, this is how we want things to be. If you're right. out of line, the yep. players will deal with it.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: So I think it's, I think inter- I think that's probably more, one of the more powerful things within, well, be it individual team sports. If so you have that culture, be it winning uh, a certain work ethic that you're used to, if it mm-hmm. falls short, even by a few percent, somebody's going to get on your case and say, well, this is what we expect. You shouldn't be dropping below that. Okay. <laughs> obviously, as you know, in, in athletics, uh, if you're playing a weaker team, that is going to happen only naturally. I think it's right. one of those phenoms it shouldn't do because you, you are the, you are that you can control yourself. Okay. You can't control your opposition, but right. they should be able to say the same, but it doesn't at times.
1: So sure. Yep. I agree with you. Yep. Cause accountability is essentially what we're talking about, right? Is that you're able to hold each other accountable and it really takes the weight off uh, a lot of coaches when they infuse it into their culture, because you have someone reinforcing concepts that they may or may not be teaching, but ultimately, you know, that accountability is essential and then teammates hold each other accountable and they don't need the coach to do that. And that's powerful.
0: And then more recently, you've now gone over to work with Louisville city FC How did that kind of come about? Because obviously you you, you primarily were more of an American sport as an athlete. How Mm -hmm. did that kind of come about from a professional standpoint?
1: Well, as you know, James, as an athlete, i I've just about like any sport. I've always liked to watch soccer. In fact, as a kid, I played some soccer too, as I was finding my way. Um, And with that said, uh, again, another coach that's very psychologically minded Um, Louisville City's head coach James O'Connor he is uh, phenomenally psychologically minded in that way in fact he will tell you and go on record to say that sports psychology influenced a lot of his playing career so naturally he was already a guy who was bought into the concept so ultimately he started thinking about being with the guys on the team and on the pitch and such you know he said to his chaplain I think it'd be helpful and useful if we could find someone that could talk to the boys it just kind of helped them with their mental skills and such. So they essentially went on a mission uh, to find who they could that would make sense to to help out with the team and just help uh, enhance the mental skills of the guys on the team. And Fortunately, they found me and uh, we met and had coffee because you have to have coffee when you have these sort of meetings.
0: <laughs>
1: and it all worked out. You know, I'm a huge sports fan. It's a Louisville City team. I'm all about the city of Louisville, always have been. And, um, you know, they've already had a really good team. And if I wanted to be a part of something special to help them be even better than they already were. So, of course, I naturally agreed to that. And ironically, James, I'm not sure if you're aware, but they're playing in the championship game Monday night of the USL, United, United Soccer League, and, and that's awesome, right? The last two seasons, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they lost in uh, uh, PKs last season, and this year they won in PKs. So – you know, again, you can't tell me that's not mental. These boys work hard physically, and they're very good, and they have some very psychologically minded guys on the team already. And for me to be, it's an honor and a privilege, really, to just be affiliated with them, just to influence them however I can. So, you know, it's going to be pretty awesome here in Louisville Monday night. It's an all-purple day in the city of Louisville, so of course, I'll have all-purple on and such. You'll probably see some tweets about that. So,
0: <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know that because I think we had. A game on TV over here with playing with Miami, mm-hmm. whatever team name they got now because they did have an MLS team at one time against mm-hmm. Cosmos. But I'm assuming that would have been a game like on pre-record because obviously you're talking about championship game coming out that Monday. It could have been a playoff game and it's been some. We played on our on our system, so I was like, "Well, that's quite interesting." But then, my penultimate question for you, Kevin, is obviously the state of Kentucky is probably one of the only states in the U.S. that doesn't have a professional team uh, in any sport. Do you what which sport do you envision them finally (laughs) get something to come about? I laughed
1: for a couple of reasons because there's a lot of irony in your question. And I honestly, James, it's really ironic that you asked me that because I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, what team I think that would be, what sport. So drum roll, I think for sure what's happening is that we're going to have a, a professional soccer team for sure before we have anything else. In fact, I think that would be the only professional team that we have. This is such a college state, as you know, that it would be hard to have football or basketball here because of our allegiances to UK and L. <clears throat> With that said, soccer, though, the fandom here for soccer has been phenomenal. Um, we're in the process of having a new stadium um, being built for a Louisville City FC, which is, of course, the momentum to potentially drive the team to be an MLS team. So there's enough fan support here in the state of Kentucky for that. And we have among the most the best fans in the in the entire soccer league in the USL, and USL's taking notice of that. So I have no doubt. So mark my words. I think that the team that it would most certainly, the sport that will most certainly be, would definitely
0: be soccer. And then from probably the uh, you know the football standpoint, do you think it's because of that proximity, proximity of being so close to Cincinnati that that would be a problem?
1: You know, I think that that's part of it, I think, because you can make the same argument to some degree to Indianapolis as well. That's about two hours from here, and then you have Cincinnati that's a little less than an hour and a half from here. So you tend to have a lot of fans in Kentucky who usually pull for Cincinnati uh, or the Colts. I'm, You know, of course, I'm a Maverick. I grew up a Redskins fan. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Skins fan, right? Big win against Seattle recently. Uh, so with that being said, I'm, I'm definitely a Skins fan. But I think a lot of it, honestly, James, has to do with, like you said earlier on the beginning of the podcast, how much fandom is associated with identity as it relates to college basketball. And because of that, it's really hard for sports like football and um, other sports that are, tend to be revenue-generating sports, basketball and football, for that to be the case here, just because it's such a college place. In fact, people from Louisville will call it a college town, even though it's a city. Uh, it's not as big as we as we think it is, but nonetheless, it's It's pretty big. It's a large city, a major city in the U.S. But, you know, it's a college town, and that's what we say often here when we're from Louisville and in the state of Kentucky. So ultimately, I think geography matters to some degree, but I think it has more to do with the fandom and the ability to generate revenue related to those sports here. Soccer will make it.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's surprising because you say that. But, but then a lot of people would... Well, more to, with the horse racing, we'd obviously know Kentucky. Obviously, with the Kentucky Derby, but it's well, and then alcohol. But that's the different. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> but, but those are the kind of the three you'd associate would be. Uh, and then obviously, K, K, Well, a lot of people around the world would know KFC. So you, yeah, and Muhammad Ali, right? Muhammad yeah. Ali. So, and then my last question for you, Kevin, if you had to summarize this episode today that we've been talking about into uh, for people into one sentence for people to take away what would that be
1: i would say that playing sports it comes down to being more skilled mentally than physically at the end of the day i think that as you what separates great athletes from good athletes is their ability to perform in the clutch to be able to regulate their emotions when they're playing and to be able to utilize mental skills in key moments. And I think that at the end of the day, James, you find that as athletes, all of us who are watching your podcast and interested in sports, you know, fandom, playing the sport, really you can't separate the psychology of that from the sport itself. So take notice of the psychology of that because it certainly can enhance one's performance and also inhibit one's performance. So I think that that would be my takeaway.
0: So thanks for your wise words kevin so once again thanks for coming on the mindset game podcast it's been a pleasure i appreciate it james So once again thanks for coming on okay, thank you and before i forget i would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short written review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it would be more visible in the future to others and thus helping more people which my guests and i are all about Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.